Welcome to Riverdale. Alright y'all, welcome back to Welcome to Riverdale. This is the Carefree Black Nerd review of the Archie Comics and CW show Riverdale. This is season 3, episode 10, chapter 45, The Stranger. Now, when listening to this episode, please use the hashtag WTRPod and live tweet. Let me know you're out there. Let me know you're listening. Make this a conversation. As well as when you're watching Riverdale live. Do the live tweeting with me. Use that hashtag WTRPod. Ah, Alright, so, 45, The Stranger. I decided to give this show a bit of a break. Last season, last season, last episode, I wasn't too happy. My critiques still stand. The way that this show treats black women, black people, and marginalized folks is trash. Utterly trash. But, that aside. This episode, The Stranger, Betty and Jughead are introduced, or instructed rather, to set their G&G investigation aside and focus on SAT prep. Betty is faced with someone from her past, and Jughead makes a bold move. Now, all in all, I did actually enjoy this episode. Um, I think I'm trying to go, I'm going to go into this, the rest of the season, a bit more optimistic, though I'm still going to have my critiques because, again, this show is trash when it comes to people of color and marginalized characters. But I am going to actually. Try to give it a shot. Now, with this, the big question of the hour is, who shot Hiram? Who shot Hiram? Who shot Hiram? And I'll say this much. Riverdale does not do a very good job when it comes to storylines. They'll have something working for a while. They'll stretch something out to it's dead in the dirt. And then they'll, you know, bring shit back up from whenever that should have been rectified. This show isn't that great. I know first season was a very good, solid, condensed season. 13 episodes, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and that was it. Season two, the Black Hood and all that other shit didn't really work for me. In the beginning of season three, it seems to be just as haphazard. But I think with this Who Shot Hiram thing, it feels like a very prime time of the 90s early 2000s tv show like a melrose place thing and i hope that they do a better job with this than what they've done with the other storylines um fingers crossed now who shot hiram is the kind of end game to figure out who did what what i want to know is what the fuck is Hal doing back? Now, the actor who plays Hal, I saw him on Twitter, and I, his name escapes me, so forgive me. Um, someone had asked him, is he ever going to be back? And then he retweeted that comment and said, yeah, I'll be back next week or something to that effect. And I was like, damn, why is he spoiling shit like that early? Um, but though it was spoiled, it really, it was a really good collection of scenes. Now, you guys know that last season, I fell off. I got frustrated with Riverdale, and I just fucking I fell off. So seeing Hal get arrested and, and, and caught for being the Black Hood, and I, I missed all of that. I'll eventually go back and watch it, but I'm not in a rush. Um, we see him again this episode with Betty, and it's a very uh, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Claire Reese, and, and uh, 
what's homeboy name? Um, Hannibal Lecter type of situation. And at first I was annoyed. Like, what the fuck is this? This is stupid and such and such. But the more I watched it, the more I actually got into it. Um, I think how is his performance is weird. Um, and with the way that this show does a lot of things, kind of picks him up and drops him. I don't know if his accent and the way he was speaking and his mannerisms were a reflection of the way he ended last season, or if this is something new to be more closely related to Silence of the Lambs. I didn't like it, but the more I watched the episode, the more I was getting into it. Like, okay, I'm cool with this. This is working for me. So surprisingly, this episode overall, I did enjoy. A lot of the things that happened, let me see. The things that I think I'm supposed to root for and like, I do not. But the things that maybe I'm supposed to be against, I do like. Like uh, Hal and Betty's relationship. Hal being this crazy, psychotic killer. And Betty, knowing her history with Dark Betty and whatnot. um, I was actually okay with their relationship. Um, I know... Betty went to see how because her mom took all her college money and did something with it. Then we later find out that she took the money and gave it to uh, the farm. Well, she bought it. Okay, I'm trying to do this chronologically, but honestly, at this point, I just want to hit all the key points because I was really surprised at how well this show landed for me this episode. So pretty much Betty is pissed off at her mom for taking her college money. But But then I'm like, you motherfuckers, the kids of the show, have been existing in this space where we don't know what the hell you are. Veronica has a successful nightclub. Uh, Betty, you're now apparently part of the police department. You have all this experience under your belt solving crimes and shit. And then Archie, you've, you know, this underground boxer who has saw this talent and is on the run. It's like you're not doing things that are kid stuff. So the very mention of college and SATs, really took me aback in this episode. Uh, but Betty is upset with her mom, rightfully so, for, you know, using that money. So she goes to see her dad to, one, to see if this is him who signed his name to this signature of a trust or wherever the hell her money is in. He says it's not, gives her the whole Silence of the Lamb thing. Hello, Clarice, give me a copy of Dungeons and Gargoyles or whatever else. Um, this was the episode for retcons. Apparently, how was there the night of ascension at the midnight club and he's the one who set up all the drinks and killed everybody and all that we later find out that he's lying but i was frustrated because i was like i wouldn't put it past this show to retcon something so horrible like that wouldn't have that's not a creative thing um we find out that through this random black guy who's a security guard at this prison which is i don't Okay, the prison that Hal is in, I don't know what it's, it's like the inside of a silo. It's it's disgusting, it's dirty, it's overdone. It's like, yeah, he's a killer and he's a criminal and whatever, and you know, you're not trying to make it the four seasons, but what the fuck is this? It's like they threw him in a basement and put a big plexiglass uh wall in front of him. It's odd. And then it's it's filled I don't know, but you got to see it for yourself. Um, Betty. So, uh, Betty is talking to him. And then when she's signing in and out, the security guard's like, oh, you just missed your mom or you keep missing your mom and such and such. Now this is where I'm, I was irritated. 
Oh, you keep missing your mom. Okay, whatever. You say that. I don't understand why you're saying it to this kid and why it's this kid. Whatever. So Betty's like, yeah, no, my mom hasn't been here in months or ages or whatever. He's like, no, she comes here every Monday at such and such o'clock. If you're going to say, oh, you keep missing your mom and mom has a standing appointment at 1 p.m. in the afternoon on Monday morning, why even fucking bring this up? That makes no sense to me. Like, maybe I'm going crazy, but again, it's not like Betty showed up and then an hour later her mom showed up or then an hour mom showed up and Betty showed up two or three hours later. She has a standing time at Monday at 1 p.m. Why wouldn't you just say, hey, your mom comes at 1. Why don't you come with her? Or something to that. First of all, why say anything? Um, So everyone's like, oh, you know what, Alice, she's going to see how. I knew who the fuck it was going to see how clearly it was Penelope. And we later find that out. And Betty's talking to her like, Oh, you crazy. And you like serial killers. And how are you trying to sleep with these men and this and that? And it's, Oh, it's like, they're trying to find something, find a way to pull in these different characters. I wonder during the time that people like Penelope and Josie and uh, mayor McCoy or attorney McCoy aren't on screen. What the hell else are you doing? Do you have another show? And if so, are you like on standby where yeah, you can film your other show or your other movie, but you have to be available for this episode. And with the way that this show pumps out their content where it doesn't seem like it's cohesive, it's like, shit, do you get a call randomly Tuesday morning? We're going to need you Thursday. Or is it Friday afternoon? Hey, I need you to be here in an hour. Like, what? What is the shooting schedule like? What is the story? What is the writer's room like on this damn show? Oh my God, uh, utterly ridiculous. So another, I don't know. So Hal says that he was the Gargoyle King back in the day and he knew about Ascension Night and he tried to kill everybody. And we find out that that's a lie and that it's frustrating Betty because he just wants to keep her talking to him. And I was like, oh, fuck him, Betty. You're just like your dad. He ain't shit, blah, blah, whatever. But then he says, you know, figured out, why do you think I would tell you a lie like that? She's like, to keep me talking. And he's like, yeah, I want to talk to my daughter. I miss my daughter. And that was something that though, I think by this time in the episode, I got used to his accent. I was okay with what I was seeing. I was used to seeing him in this cell and I gotten over the whole silence of the lambs of it all and watching them in there together. I was like, okay, I buy this now and I'm invested. And lo and behold, you know, we, we come back and Betty, after talking to her mom, who's going out to apply for a job as a local news lady, which, okay, um, we find out that she used all of Betty's money to pay off the farm and then buy the Sisterhoods of Quiet Mercy. I believe that's what happened. So the thing, the frustration that I have with that is, I guess that makes sense and I'm okay with it, but are you just not trying to have different sets? Because we've never physically been to the farm. So is it, oh, that would have been too expensive to shoot. Oh, we didn't really know what the farm looked like. Now that we have this same old set that we keep using, the Sisterhood of Quiet Mercy, we can kind of move some stuff around and just put the actors there. Like I'm, It's probably a cost thing, but it still is frustrating. Because at one point in the episode, Hiram even asked or told um, Hermione, yeah, let's buy the Sisterhood of Quiet Mercy and make that our castle. Which, that made sense, but I'm like, that's a big-ass facility for just you two motherfuckers. Um, but, ah, whatever. It is what it is. 
So another something is Archie's returned home and he's a different guy and apparently he stormed out of Pops and Reggie mad at him and Reggie's mad at Veronica because clearly Archie's not your same Archie as he was before and this and that. And he, he being uh, Reggie, confronts Archie and he's like, you could be a little punk ass bitch. You got some coconuts walking in here because you ran out of Pops and then you, it was just it was such a weird exchange. And we see that I guess for the first time, Reggie sees that Archie has these scratches on his chest. Tell him I fought a bear. And it's, I just, I was bored with it. But I was even more bored with Reggie, again, getting like the short end of the stick. You've spent all this time with this woman, Veronica. You've helped her with her business. You've gotten close to her. Y'all have developed some sort of almost relationship. It's mimicking what is in the comics, in the source material. And then Archie comes in and it's just like, Oh, I gotta go back. I don't understand my feelings. I mean, you know, I like you, Reggie, but such and such. It's like, what are you doing? And then to do this after you had him already set up to be with Josie, I think from like last season, even from, and I may be mistaken, but season one, when there was a different actor playing Reggie, him and, I think him and Josie had a bit of a flirtation. Then I know at the beginning of season two, Josie and... Sweet Pea maybe had something at the pool. It was, this is so, so weird. And it's like, you just keep doing things to these characters and the optics just don't look well at all. I don't like it. Um, Reggie pretty much telling Archie that him and Veronica cheated. Archie is going to Reggie in the teacher's, student lounge, whatever this is. And he's like, oh, well, I need help. I need to talk to you about cheating. And what does Reggie do? Oh, she told you, man, which pretty much tells him in the audience, hey, we messed around, whatever. My irritation with this is that we, and we being the show, is allowing this narrative that Veronica has done something wrong to be enforced or, or, or talked about or discussed. Veronica did nothing wrong when she started flirting with Reggie. She could have slept with 10 hundred men. That has nothing to do with Archie. Like this is a single woman. This man broke up with her and left and went on the run and didn't even have the decency to do it in person. And then he comes back to town. I don't know, after three or four weeks. And now everybody's acting like he went off the war and was, you know, gone to Iraq for years, but you were gone for a few weeks. I feel like he was justified in leaving because you're grown, do whatever the hell you want to, but don't, uh, this whole cheat, like to even mention, use that word as if she did something wrong or Reggie did anything wrong when Archie is the one who's dealing with his own demons and will not go to therapy. Just go talk to someone. That's what I don't understand. Just go fucking talk to someone. Like there's ways to make this entertaining show or whatever and maybe I'm just a bit jaded but I just can't the problems that we're faced with could be fixed by just freaking talking like work a little harder show at making things make sense and if there's going to be this weird love triangle whatever that's cool whatever but make it make sense don't just throw Reggie off to the side after all of the shit that he's done and I'm not saying that he's just entitled to Veronica but when you're presenting this 
love triangle. You're presenting this particular relationship between the two of them that is clearly building on the show. And then all that topples and it is, it's it's null and void because Archie is shown back up. It's like, why didn't you just keep Reggie with Josie to begin with? Or why didn't Reggie have something else to do? Or why is he just serving Veronica's story? He has no story. This man is getting beat up by his dad. He's running liquor for Veronica. He's helping Veronica at her shop. He's uh, falling for her. Outside of football and selling drugs back in season two, what else do we even know him for? Nothing. Like, everything is... And then even with Josie, like she didn't show up in this episode and she wasn't missed because there's nothing that she could have done to contribute to this episode. Thankfully, she wasn't there or they would have found a way to scare her or attack her or do something physically or mentally damaging to her because that's just what this show does. And then let's not even get started with Kevin, which last episode, the synopsis included Kevin going to, was it a film festival and giving his thoughts about different but that never showed up on the final uh edit of the show it's this show is doing too much um i think they would it would serve them better to treat this show like a prime time or like a daytime soap opera but condense it i don't think that this show has a handle on where they want to go it always feels like okay who has great ideas let's take the top four ideas and find a way to make them work and let's stretch it out over 22 episodes this show should be 13 episodes. This show has not proven that they deserve 22 episodes. You're not telling a good story. You need 13 episodes and that's it. Um, we find out who the Gargoyle King is and it's Tall Boy, which is... What? Like, again, that was lazy. That was lazy. I'm like, Tall Boy? Like, that's easy enough. And then it's lazy, especially when you haven't laid any easter eggs any seeds that would make that satisfying <clears throat> excuse me when when we find out that it's tall boy it's just oh that's him yeah it's another adult there's like four adults on this show yeah it's the that adult like if it had been penny peabody that would have been a bit more interesting because we think she's dead did Jughead mom chop her up into pieces and you know scatter her across the Midwest? Or is she just not on the show right now? Or is she maybe the Gargoyle King? Another thing, you could have made the Gargoyle King a woman. That would have been a bit more shocking. Tall boy? Okay. So Jughead and his soft ass, he takes the tall boy, excuse me, um, to the bunker. Now... What happened is Fangs is now in the Gargoyle Club or whatever, and they're about to brand him. And then here comes the serpents. Now, my issue with this, the serpents, y'all are some punks. Y'all soft, period. But on top of that, the Gargoyles, you motherfuckers are supposed to be the ones that are threatening, terrifying, scary. They're supposed to be the big bads. How is it that you're about to brand this boy with your little Gargoyle stuff? The serpents show up and y'all running away? I was like, what, what am I even watching? This is like, this is horrible. Like there, it feels like there doesn't feel like the stakes. There doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's stakes. It feels like it's just a bunch of people in cosplay playing these Archie characters. Nothing. Betty's story in this episode felt more terrifying, felt more anxious, had me on the edge of my seat more so than this gargoyle bullshit. And Fangs, I hate this boy. 
I I I'm, I don't like him at all. Tell you why. Case in point, Fangs doesn't know when to shut the hell up. So eventually, we find out that Tall Boy has been murdered. He's been murdered by Sweet Pea and Fangs. So this is the deal. Fangs apparently stabbed Tall Boy because Tall Boy was talking shit. They was trying to move him, whatever, in the bunker. Jughead comes in and they yelling to him, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he's like, okay, let me think. We're going to throw a party. Which, okay, makes sense. You're going to throw a party so everybody can be accounted for. If anything happens, you can say that, you know, you were here. Whatever. Fangs and Sweet Pea are nervous at the party, which is at the same campsite that everyone lives. Jughead is like, party like your life depends on look, make it look good. Soon as the police show up, Fangs says out loud, Oh, they know about Tall Boy. What? Last episode, Cheryl cut into Jughead because of his stupid ass double standard, and this is what she said. If you're going to disown us, or whatever she said, I'm verbatim, uh, paraphrasing, excuse me. She says, if you're going to disown us, you need to do the same thing for your boy Fangs because, you know, we just stole some shit, but he's selling drugs. Jughead looks shocked, and she says, and if you want to know how I know, Fangs told Sweet Pea, Sweet Pea told Tony, and Tony told me. Why are you telling all your goddamn business? Like, if you've gotten away with a crime, and this is something that if it comes out, you're excommunicated from your little gang, and then the leader of the gang finds out, and it's like, okay, well, you know, we're going to sweep this under the rug. We got to keep you safe. We're going to help you take care of your mom. Why in the fuck are you telling other people about this? Then you've killed someone. The police show up, and you say, oh, my God, they know about Tall Boy. What? what? I'm, I'm done with him. Fuck fangs, because clearly you ain't thinking about your sick mom. Not to say that he needs to be some dishonest, evil person, but you're not even thinking, okay, my mom is sick. I'm selling these drugs to get money to help her with her shit, and I also killed someone. How about I not announce to the world this dead person? It's so fucking weird. Um, So backtracking a bit, Hiram gets a call from tall boy because tall boy is like you know he ain't gonna talk to me unless i got something that he won't which is he wants archie which is why does he still even want archie i honestly truthfully do not understand why hiram wants archie dead or alive i still don't understand why do you want him what is it that you want with him like yeah he went up against you but you sent him to jail you framed him for a murder he went through all this shit he left town even now that he's back i do not understand why hiram would be against Archie. Like, why would you... I, it, it, it would seem like it would make more sense for Hiram to just mind his fucking business and maybe monitor, keep an eye on Archie just in case some shit happens. But once you get Archie in your grab, then what are you doing? Are you going to kill him? That's what I don't get. It just it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel genuine. And that is a bit frustrating because what do you want? Like, your daughter already... Was a fuck with him, then she was a fuck with you, and now she really wants him back. So even if, even if Betty, excuse me, um, Veronica and Archie get together, what happens then? Even if they do not get together, what happens then? If you get Archie in your hands, Hiram, what happens then? I don't get it. I do not get it. He wants the red paladin. What? I think it just sounds good to the show. And so they're just making these things be said. But there's no reason why he would want if. OK, how about this? Listen, <laughs> if you made it this far, please tweet me. Let me know what the fuck is the reason. Why does Hiram want Archie at all? I'm honestly I want to know because I 
either something's not connected with me or I just don't get it. Why? <sighs> so also um, within this, we find out that Clifford, no, Claudius, Claudius Blossom is, Hiram wants him to be the sheriff. And Hermione's like, no, people are going to talk. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to whoop your ass. Pretty much that's what he said. Um, and so when Tallboy calls Hiram, and this is one of my issues with the show. It was so predictable. When they were on the phone, I said out loud, and I tweeted it, Hiram is not going to show up to whatever the hell this is. He's not. It makes no sense. Some kind of way, I feel as if Tallboy tipped him off, which he did. Or, no, no, no. He didn't tip him off, but Hiram was like, yeah, I, you know, I knew that it was a trap or some shit. You know, you don't make it this far without thinking like me. And he didn't show up. A lot of what happened in this episode was very predictable for me, except for the Betty and Hal stuff. So getting back to Betty and Hal, Betty uh, finds out that her mom gave the money to the farm and all that other stuff. And so she's irritated, but she's calm because her and her dad already argued. She said, I'll never fucking look at you again. He's like, yeah, you said that last time. That being said, when she's sitting up talking with her dad, that was one of the best moments of this episode. And that's probably one of my favorite scenes. And I feel that way because, again, Betty has this dark Betty, quote unquote, past. And she has this history with the Black Hood. And her father's a Black Hood. And it's her father. There's just a lot to unpack there. And I think that if we're going to continue out the rest of the season with Hal and Betty having a relationship or whatever else... I'm okay with that because this this episode and these scenes made me feel like the show is at least going to do a good job with this. And I think overall, Betty probably is one of the better, if not the best actors on the show and does a very good job with the material that she's given. So shout out to you, Lily Reinhardt. You you did a good one. So I'm going to keep my eye on that particular storyline. and I'm hoping that, that that helps out. Uh, with the show, with me watching the show. So lastly, we go to Hiram. So Hiram was talking all this big shit. Yeah, I sent Claudius because, you know, motherfuckers can't take me. I'm the baddest bitch you ever did. No. <laughs> but he's talking all this mess and he gets shot in the stomach and it looks like by a sniper. And my critique on this one is the same one I had about Cheryl and Tony Robin Thornhill, not Thornhill, um, the Lodge, whatever house in the last episode. How high up is the lodge apartment? I was always under the impression it was pretty high. You had to take an elevator to get there, if not the penthouse level. Who shot him through like all this shit at that high that that level? Like that makes no sense to me. Are we supposed to believe that they moved from the top floor to the bottom floor? I don't because I feel like that should have been emphasized a bit more, but I'ma just let it go. And see if the show ever addresses it or not. But I thought that was odd. Um, also, uh, the very last to last thing. We find out that FP is the sheriff. Now, even though this reveal was a bit impactful. Um, and it probably was one of my favorite reveals of the episode. Because you had a bunch of trash ass retcons. I predicted that as well. Like when the police showed up and... Um, Oh, what the boy name? Shit. Uh, Fangs loud ass him up. Oh, I think they know about Tallboy. I knew that that was FP. Like something in me said, oh, that's FP. 
because again, there's only so many adults on this this show, and this show isn't doing a good job at keeping a revolving door of other adults who could stand in place for other um, uh, figures. So when you do see a new adult, it's just like, well, that person is going to be the sheriff. That person is going to be the so-and-so. He's going to be this, going to be that. And um, so, but that was probably uh, the best reveal because finding out about how mm, that was so-so, that was ruined for me by reading his tweets. Um, this whole retcon trying to make him be the Gargoyle King, that was trash. But then to find out that even that was a fake because he talked to Cheryl's mom, Penelope, and was, you know, sleeping with her. Even that was like, Ugh, all right. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to end it here. This was good. This was a good episode, and it, it has me invested enough to at least try to see what happens on the next episode. Uh, so I'll say, y'all, y'all did your thing, Riverdale, but... I'm just waiting to see what the fuck y'all doing with Josie, what y'all doing with Reggie, and what you're doing with Kevin. Because you're marginalized people. You ain't doing well by them. Um, let me see. Favorite character of this episode. I'd have to go to Betty. And then, kind of by extension, Betty and Hal. They had the best kind of chemistry. Oh, also, how could I forget? After Hiram got shot, Veronica uh, is at the hospital. Archie shows up because they tried to take the SCTs. He's dealing with some shit. He just needs to see a therapist. So he gets up and walks off after the after SATs. The SAT instructor's like, girl, you leave. That's the automatic zero. <laughs> so Veronica's like, pretty much, Archie, did you shoot my dad? She said, yeah, my dad got shot after you stormed out of the SATs. And she's been calling him for hours or whatever, and he finally showed up. And I think it's a legitimate question. And for Archie to be like, oh, I can't believe you. Why would you even think I could? Yeah, you've been trying to kill my dad for a while, and he's been trying to kill you. So I don't think it's out of the ordinary or out of the realm of possibilities that you may have been the one who shot my dad. Like, what do you mean? So I saw a lot of talk online where people were saying that, you know, she's, she, Veronica, needs to get it together and siding with her dad and this and that. All that bullshit aside, I think that's a very, I don't know, on the nose thing to ask. Did you shoot my dad? Especially coming off of that, Archie been gone for four weeks, now she pining over him. And then when they get together, she's crying in his room. And I don't know if she was breaking up with him or not, but he's like, oh, we can talk about that tomorrow. Can you just be with me tonight? And they fuck in the bed. It's like, what even is your relationship? There's no substance. I don't even care about Jughead, but I care more about Jughead and Betty than I do about Archie and Veronica. This is horrible. Veronica doesn't seem to be the same character she was in season one. That's not to say that you can't evolve and become better, but it just feels like she's lost so much of herself that I just I go back to my previous statements from the seasons before. The main four, Archie, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica, they're villains. Ugh. Whew, but, yeah, so my favorite would be Betty, and by extension, Betty and Hal. And my favorite scene, um, I really liked the reveal of FP being sheriff, but I'd have to go with all of the Betty and Hal scenes, because that, Betty just, Betty and Hal did it for me. I don't really care that Hiram got shot, because clearly they're not getting rid of that actor, um, so he's not going anywhere. They didn't feel like there were any stakes, so I don't really care. <sighs> so, yeah. Uh, but let me know what you think, guys. Hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag WTRPod. And when you're watching Riverdale live tweeting, use that hashtag WTRPod. Riverdale, I'm not able to live tweet as much as I probably would want to. I mean, I do the other shows. 
Uh, but I'm going to try to do more live tweeting for the rest of this season. So catch me on Wednesdays. And if you don't see no tweets from me, you're like, motherfucker, where you at? No. <laughs> um, and while you're on the Carefree Black Nerd feed, please make sure to check out Deadly Class, a Deadly Class act. That is a river. The Riverdale. That is a carefree black nerd review of sci-fi's Deadly Class. Uh, black Lightning matters as well. Black Lightning has returned, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then Carefree Black Nerd proper on Sundays. Check out CBN Pod. All of these links will be in the show notes for the subsequent episodes. Uh, but yeah, make sure you you, you talk to me. Let's make this a conversation. Uh, hit me up. Use the hashtag. Hit me up on Twitter. All other social media. Carefree Black Nerd. Um, carefreeblacknerd.com is the help for all things Carefree Black Nerd. Shout out to BYNK Radio. Shout out to my co-host on Black Lightning Matters, Cole Jackson 1-2. Check him out and get with the BLM Pod Squad. <sighs> so yeah. So all y'all, thank you for listening. Uh, use the hashtag, tweet me, email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com if you so choose. And until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. Stay out of Riverdale. There was apparently a quarantine, which is over now, but shit, it's topsy-turvy. Anything can happen there. It's just a bad place to be in. And uh, catch you next time. (laughs) All right.